Coming up this week on the Coach Mac Podcast, Jim McElwain discusses the news out of California. Certain schools have said that they won't have in-person classes in the fall, and one of those schools happens to be San Jose State, the team that the Chippewas are supposed to open up with at Kelly Short Stadium in the fall. We'll get coaches' thoughts on that. And then our first NFL guest and former Chippewa, Tyler Conklin, joins the podcast. Conklin, of course, a tight end for CMU a few years ago, talks about transferring to Central Michigan and then making position changes before having success here as he reminisces about his time in Mount Pleasant. And, of course, we check in on how he's doing in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings, and we certainly have to bring up that fateful day in Stillwater where he played a big role in Central Michigan coming from behind over Oklahoma State 30-27. to All of that and more coming up on this week's edition of the Coach Mac Podcast. All right, Coach, we're back at it again. How you doing this week? Yeah, doing fantastic. I, uh, I got to tell you this, it's been an unbelievable great week for us as far as, uh, you know, our continued momentum in our recruiting. And, uh, you know, that's been a lot of fun uh, to see to see that going. And then, um, you know, obviously just as we kind of inch each week closer and closer to maybe some decisions moving forward, um, no one really knows, but you can start to feel that excitement uh, as, as, as we move along. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Again, we talked about it last week with the recruiting, but man, it, it was really prevalent this week. Every time on social media, again, it just seemed like you guys are getting those recruits to come in. So Hats off to you and the team and the recruiting job that you're doing right now because uh, there's a lot of people that seem to be interested in coming to play football at Central Michigan. Well, and for all the right reasons, um, you know, as I tell, you know, tell all the families, you know, it's, look, Mount Pleasant is a great place to go to school. And, and uh, you know, I think we're going to find that out with our guests, you know, at the end of this, you know, during the second part of our, our, our uh, podcast. But, um, you know, it's a great place to go to school and, and there's just, wonderful people in the town and um you know one of the things we stress over and over you know no matter where you go make sure that the people are there that are going to take care of you and that's the one thing that i think sets us apart from a lot of places is uh you know we just have great people involved in the organization you know our leadership from dr davies to michael alford and all the way down and the people that they put in place uh to help this place you know, move forward has just been uh, just just an outstanding sell. Yeah, they make it easy for you, right? When you're talking to those recruits or those families, uh, it's a it's a wonderful place to come and play football and uh, have an academic opportunity here as well. So good to see those names continuing to roll in, and excited to see what the future holds for this program. Coach, some big news coming out uh, yesterday, actually, as we record this today. And in terms of just dealing with the coronavirus, as you mentioned, we're starting to get a little more decisions that are being made and one that affects your guys' upcoming schedule. And it was in California. California State Universities are going to close campuses for in-person instruction in the fall. And one of those schools is San Jose State. That is your week one opponent. So I guess kind of tell us what you thought when you heard that or when you read that and, and what's been going on in your mind since that came out. Well, I guess, first of all, I wonder if that means an automatic win. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, Naturally, but, uh, that's the first thing yeah, you thought yeah. about. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I tell you, I, I, 
I really think as this moves forward and, you know, at one point, um, you know, there was talk of, of obviously if there are no students, they're not going to play. Right. That, that was something that, you know, I don't know, came out about a month ago. I think there was a ruling now that comes back and says, you know, per conference, per um, university president, um, they're going to be allowed to kind of make their own decisions a little bit, uh, obviously, with the guidance of, of uh, you know, their state government and those type of things uh, as, as we head down the road. I, you know, I I think I, I caution everybody a little bit as, uh, you know, I I have these talks with with Michael um you know, daily about, you know, let's prepare scenarios, but let's not jump to conclusions. You know, I think that's where he, his leadership has been so, so strong and has really helped us through this is, okay, we've got to prepare for different things that may occur. And yet at this point, no one really knows, right. Um, exactly where we're going to end, you know, was interesting, uh, Looking at at uh, something from the uh, 1918, um, uh, you know, uh, the disease that we had, and it actually showed pictures of people in the stands watching college football with masks on. Wow! You know? In in uh, I think that that is something that that you know I, what is history, right? We we look at history to learn for the future correct i mean that that's really one of the main things that we do and and i think that you know it's interesting you know obviously no one has been through any of this before and and yet you know there's been times where some things have happened you know i think during that spanish flu you know it was it was pretty interesting uh, when you looked at that and and the things that that our country went through with that and maybe what we've learned and and how we can move forward. But, you know, in regards to the Cal State systems, uh, obviously that affects three teams in the Mountain West, you know, that's a, that are peer institutions to us, um, you know, in San Diego State, Fresno State, and, and uh, San Jose State. So, you know, it'd be interesting to me if we don't start headed towards maybe a little bit more regional, uh, in some of the games that we play, uh, you know, you may even look at some possibility of some schedule swaps. I know that's been talked about, you know, as we go through, um, you know, even this season and, and just see kind of how that may work. Um, even the thought of some um, neutral sites that maybe aren't as, you know, places that aren't as affected. Um, you know, might welcome a little bit of the economic impact that a college game may bring. What do you think about that if you were forced to move to more regional schedules and you're playing what would probably be Big Ten opponents or opponents within the the Midwest here in your non-conference slate? I think it's it's fantastic. Um, You know, I I would love to see our conference um, somehow go into, you know, some kind of – you know, deal brokered with the Big Ten, you know, that that maybe, you know, guaranteed games with our uh, peer institutions, um, you know, uh, that that may help in scheduling. Um, I know that's that's one of the big pieces of this. And I think for the fan bases, you know, that that, you know, of all the schools, you know, I think there could be a lot of interest in that. And, 
um, would really help, you know, our conference um, in the scheduling piece, you know, that we're all, you know, scattered around the country having to play people. Yeah, certainly. And, and speaking of scattered and being in different spots, it seems to me it's going to be interesting to see how everything comes together just because you're talking about different conferences that are trying to agree, different states that are trying to agree, and we all want to play college football. Are we hoping we can play college football in the fall? How much more challenging do you think it's going to be to try and come up with a uniform plan when you're dealing with different conferences in different states that are all trying to figure out the best way to handle what we're dealing with right now? <laughs> that, that's a great that's a great question for Michael Alford. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and deflect that one, coach. As he stays up at night trying to, <laughs> you know, figure out how this affects. Here, here's the one thing I do know, and, and I can speak directly for our administration, you know, doing an unbelievable job, um, actually looking as to what is best and what can help benefit Central Michigan University our students, our student athletes, and, and our fan base. I think, you know, that that's something that, that I've really been impressed with as I sit kind of in the background, um, you know, watching and, and listening and learning from Dr. Davies and, and Michael in how they're approaching this. You know, I think it, it speaks volumes for what a great place we're at at Central Michigan because the care is directly about the students and uh, how it affects their physical health, their mental health, and and obviously their learning as as they move forward into the world. So that that part's been that part's been amazing. And um, when you look at the scheduling pieces, when you look at you know, uh, <laughs> I think right now you got a bunch of people that really enjoy uh, to agree to disagree. You know, yeah. I think that's where it is. But I think as we start narrowing closer, uh, I really believe that, you know, the, the importance to the American psyche that is college football uh, is going to really come to the forefront. And, you know, I, I, I think we'll show um, kind of where its hierarchy is in, in what we do. Well, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but if there's some precedence that is set, like Major League Baseball trying to come up with agreements between the owners and the Players Association trying to find a way to have a shortened season and potentially the NBA and NHL looking to come back perhaps, if they could kind of set the example and find out a way to come back and play, you know, certainly I would feel that college football will have a better chance. And obviously, same with the NFL. If that were to come back and take initiative, you hope that that leads to college football finding a way to play ball here in the fall as well. That's right. And, and, and in whatever scenarios, you know, I, I, I do know this. No one's rushing into it, um, you know, without looking at all the different things for the safety, you know, the safety of our of, of our different states and, and the people in those states. And, you know, I, I, I know this, there, there's, there's a lot of people with a lot more information than, than you and I, sure. uh, you know, as, as we move forward. And yet, um, you know, I think when you look at it, the well-being and, and the mental well-being, uh, you know, uh, of our fan bases and, and of the people who are fans of college football, um, of athletics in general, um, you know, I think that there, there is something to that. And, uh, 
it'll it'll be it'll be these next you know i'm gonna say this next month um as 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 you're finding out as i'm finding out i mean you wake up every day to a different piece of news right, right. Uh, and i think that that's the, the challenging thing for for all the coaches um you know setting calendars every day setting scenarios you know i i was able to on our you know on our team meeting yesterday that we had um you know over our webex um it was just it was great seeing the guys faces as i get to see them every week it's awesome and um being able to give them information you know you talk about our own program you know how we set up the summer we set it up in a four quarter program all right 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 now the situation they're in and and the message to them is attack the now all right don't worry about anything you can't control you can control yourself and for them they would be home right now after finals you know which finished up last week mm-hmm. um they would be in what we term is our first quarter program all right we break the calendar down to where all camp then is the fourth quarter before we go into the season. Um, and, you know, our message to our guys is, is always in the first quarter, you want to have a fast start. Adam, you watched our games when we were successful, we got off to a fast start. Yep. And, you know, so um, that's uh, the number one message right now. And, and, and as I talk to our staff, everybody in our organization, we've got a plan moving forward. But let's not think about, you know, that as much as what we can to do today to get better. And um, so that was the message to our team as we hit this first quarter uh, of our offseason program. And now is that first quarter, I know we had Joel on a, a few weeks ago, is that simply just working out and trying to get better? Or, or what do you hope that the student athletes are doing in that first quarter right now as you get prepared, hopefully for that next upcoming season? That's a great question. Okay, so – when you look at um, what this would be, this would be the time that they would actually be at home, all right, where it's an opportunity to reflect. It's an opportunity to put yourself in a position to attack. In it. And what do I mean by that? Um, each week you're going to be given some things to maintain. Our goal during that first quarter is – uh, anybody with any tweaks and that kind of thing is this is your time to rest, uh, recoup. You just came off of finals. Um, you've got an opportunity to, to you know, uh, recenter is one of the words that we use quite a bit. And more than anything, uh, to make sure that right now everything is self-driven and based on what you do, based on your actions, um, we're going to know how committed you are to being a Chippewa. That, that, that's really where it's at. And right now, everything comes from a self-driven piece. Uh, we're going to give them guidelines each week uh, as to what we want to accomplish. Uh, we're not, this is a week that we wouldn't be meeting specifically on offense, defense, special teams, as far as um, you know, installs and those type of things. We get ready for that when we hit the second quarter, which is uh, after that first week of June and, and uh, where we'll start with our OTA meetings and our installs and those type of things. And really, it's a time to refresh 
it's a time to recenter and it's a time to reflect and and that's that's our first quarter program yeah i mean it's obviously important to have some downtime as you mentioned having that recenter time and just refocusing because it is, as everybody knows, it's it's not just what goes on the field on, on Saturdays in the fall. There's a lot that goes into staying in football shape, knowing the playbooks, and remembering that these are students. I mean, they've got to go to school and try and get a degree as well. I think one of the things that found out over the years, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because in a lot of ways um, – when you add the things that we put on our, our college student athletes, <laughs> some of the downtime is that it way less than what a professional athlete goes through, you know, where, um, you know, they don't have the burdens of the academic piece. Right. Um, they've got, a, 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 you know, that time can be focused on what is their career, their job. Right. Um, and so for our guys, you pull them in a lot of different directions. I think it's so important in the first quarter of our of our summer program is it's a time for our guys to take a breath. It's it's a time for them to be grateful and thankful for all the things that they have and and uh, and then take a little peek forward as as we prepare for this the next second, third, and fourth quarters moving into the season and that's cool how you guys break it down like that and it is so segmented and regimented because again it's got to be with with how busy these guys are we we've been teasing this for a week and to my knowledge you you did a good job you held up your end of the bargain kept a secret but it's time to reveal who's coming on the pod with us this week now you know what that this is the favorite part of it right here uh i i I actually, these, these are, and, and you guys do a great job of, of reaching out and, and getting people that are willing to come on a podcast that, you know, I don't know if we hit double figures yet on listeners on this, Adam. I hope so. Gosh. All right. <laughs> but here's, here's what's great is, uh, you know, getting an opportunity for, for all the chips out there and the people that are listening to, to, you know, visit with some former greats. I think that this is a fantastic segment today. Yeah, that's a pretty big name. Tyler Conklin is joining us, a tight end with the Chipwise. He's got a real fun story from basketball to transferring to CMU to going through a foot injury, getting back on the field, and then getting drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. What do you say we bring him on here, Coach? You know what? The, the, the heck with you and I, Adam. This is what it's all about, right? You know, I mean, being able to have a guy this quality, a former chip, uh, Obviously, having a great career uh, post Chippewa, and and it's great to have you. Um, you know, Tyler, I just want to say thanks for doing this, man. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. I'm just uh, I was happy that I got invited. I got invited to it. That's great. You know, I um, and I I I, I got to start off before we even get into you know you being a basketball player, okay? Which I'm a frustrated basketball guy myself, so I'll be interested in that story. But uh, it it at the end of the day, you, you've got a, uh, a teammate, uh, there at, at the Vikings that, uh, is a center for you, Garrett Bradbury. Uh, he and, he and, uh, his dad and I played college ball together. He was my tight end at Eastern Washington. And, uh, I, I just, I need something on Garrett real quick that I can go ahead and, and bust his dad's chops over a little bit. Can you do that for me? Oh, that's kind of hard to do. I mean, Garrett's a, uh, he's a good dude. 
um, throughout the season when you guys were making your run to the MAC championship and whatnot. I mean, me and Garrett were in every day just talking about it, geeked up about it. So it's kind of hard to give you any dirt on him. He's a good dude, and obviously he had a hell of a rookie year. Yeah, he didn't. And, uh, you know, it was great for us watching him grow up and, you know, their family would come to our games and our bowl games and made it to our national championship games when we were at Alabama. And then to think of him running around as a little kid and then starting in that league. Wow. That's a, that's a crazy thing, but yeah, it is. Unreal. Right. So, um, Tyler, I, this was fascinating to me, you know, it's, it's kind of more than anything as to how you ended up at central Michigan. I know, a great basketball player, a two-sport guy, uh, and, and actually starting your career as a basketball player at Northwood. Tell us kind of how that kind of all came together. Um, well, I mean, going in high school, uh, I went to Lance Cruz North uh, in Macomb, suburb of Detroit, and we just didn't have the best football program. I mean, going into my senior year, we were 0-27 on varsity. Uh, so I haven't won a game in three years. And basketball, we were pretty good. Basketball is always kind of my, uh, my first love, although I played football. Um, tackle football since I was in probably eight years old. And, um, I mean, going to my senior year, I was thinking about not playing uh, football, actually. We were just took this loss in the semifinals in the, the Breslin Center in basketball and went to my senior year, forcing the stage. And um, my best friend ended up talking me into playing. And, uh, I mean, it ended up working out. I'm happy he did that. So we ended up going eight and three, uh, hosting, winning our first ever playoff game. And I started getting some, uh, talking to some schools, uh, Central was one of them. Coach Cummings is there at the time. He recruited my area, and uh, he would come in and talk to me, and I got invited up to junior day. I remember going up there, and I was like, oh, I was like, there's Coach Cummings, Butch Berry. That's what Dan Enos was there, and I'm watching practice, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to stick to basketball. Um, <laughs> I remember sitting out there three hours, and I'm like, oh, man, I might just stick to basketball. And, um, I mean, I ended up going to Northwood. I signed early signing period um, before I even played my senior year of basketball right after – senior football and um, ended up going to Northwood for a semester. I played my first seven games as a true freshman. And I kind of just felt like I sold myself short. I always told my, my, my family I was going to be first division one athlete come out of our family. And I felt like I didn't make, I uh, didn't make that happen. So I ended up getting a hold of coach Cummings and um, asked if I could walk on and he was like, yeah, you can, and got back to me. Oh yeah, you can walk on uh, for the spring. Doesn't guarantee your spot on the one five in the fall. And, I was like, you know what, I'll take it. So uh, probably like a week before I ended up coming there for orientation in January, um, he actually left and took the UConn job. I'm like, oh, man. So the one guy I knew up there at least. <laughs> and uh, I get up there, and Coach Gino took good care of me at the time and showed me around and went in as a wide receiver. And uh, for about four weeks, they tried to move me to DN for the last week, which is uh, – Interesting week for me at about 210 pounds. And, uh, who, 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 were some, who were some of the guys blocking you then? You know, when you're a 210 pounder on the D line. Yeah, I didn't. I was just hoping to get a tight end on the edge, and I was still too little. <laughs> Especially with Mike Kimville there, who was a hell of a blocker at the time, and Ben McCord and uh, Deion Butler, who were all good tight ends that I was under when I eventually moved over. And, um, I mean, holding the C gap was a real pain in the butt for me, but <laughs> I, I thought it was fun to kind of rush after the quarterback. Every time right. I got there, I'd just jump up and try to smack the ball down. Probably looked like a fool, but um, <laughs> it all ended up working out. And I asked to move over to the tight end over the summer because I had to go home. I went home and work construction, um, tried to make some money, and uh, asked Coach Rick and Frick if I could move over. And Coach Moore said, yeah. 
and then the rest is kind of history. I moved over that uh, going into my sophomore year, and um, eight tight out of eight tight ends. I'll never forget that, and ended up working my way up, and it all worked out. So, well, I got to tell you, it, it it shows. I mean, that perseverance and the way you play the game, your love of the game, and how hard you play, man. It 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 really shows, and and uh, you know what? It kind of interests me because you know you you kind of move uh, you move up a little bit and you get in the mix and all of a sudden you break a foot um, and you got to sit for a while before you can come out and and play and I believe it was the Ohio game it was kind of a breakout for you kind of tell me tell me a little bit how that led up to to that piece you know where you finally get on the field and then all of a sudden who's this guy. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, – I definitely had an interesting career from that standpoint. I mean, my sophomore year, I kind of played behind Ben McCord. Had, like, five catches for 95 yards, zero touchdowns. And junior year, I got into a, um, a little incident and had to set up the first quarter of my uh, first game against Presbyterian, I'm pretty sure it was. And then didn't really get the ball in that game. And I ended up having a good year my junior year. So, going to senior year, I mean, I was really excited. really thought I had a chance to – um, I mean, make my dream finally come true. And uh, first day of camp, first one-on-one, uh, I ran a basic route and swam the guy and just foot felt funny. I couldn't really walk on it and um, ended up breaking my foot and having a Jones fracture. Um, so, I mean, that was a frustrating process in itself, just um, not really knowing how that was going to turn out with that type of injury. You know, a lot of people try to come back really fast and re-break it. And, I mean, if I were to try to come back fast and re-break it, it kind of would have hurt my chances of uh, – redshirting probably would have made that difficult and I didn't really want to redshirt and have to do a whole other year of school nothing against school but I mean I was there long enough um, I mean I ended up getting back in about seven weeks and coming back against Ohio I think I started practicing in about seven weeks and uh, came back against Ohio and it just I mean it all just kind of worked out I mean all that hard work coming back paid off and I think I ended up with about seven catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. It's the best game I ever had um, from a receiving standpoint. And, uh, I mean, the rest is kind of history. Well, let me ask you this. Was was the quarterback at the time your roommate? No, I was actually oh. – Shane was. I knew Shane because we're from the same area. We're both <laughs> both from home. But I was hoping if he was my roommate, I would have got a couple more balls throughout the year. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I, I look, as a, as a quarterback myself and not a very good one um, – the tight ends loved me because I couldn't throw it deep. So I just found them in the middle of the field all the time. Uh, but no, that, that, that's awesome. You know, I, you know, there, there's another great game in history. I know, um, you know, when you talk about your central Michigan days and, and Adam, you're going to hit him up about what a huge win that, that Oklahoma state game was. Yeah. It, it was just crazy. The range of emotions. Cause you guys had thought you had lost. The game was over. The clock hit zero when Mason Rudolph threw the ball out of bounds. And then hold on a second. The refs get together. There's a flag. And then you guys have another shot. So before we go through the play, take me through kind of the range of emotions you were feeling thinking that the game was over and, you know, having, knowing you had one more shot. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes all the way back into junior year. I mean, Oklahoma State came to our place. I was a sophomore, and I remember they had Deanna Emanuel Ogba, Ogba, and, I, and uh, <laughs> you know, we played them. We played them hard. It wasn't a, a super close game, but I remember leaving that game going to senior year. We knew we had them again, and um, I mean, we just truly believed we could beat them. Um, I can honestly say that we just were super excited. We really thought we could go into Oklahoma State and, and pull that one off, and after 
getting there, I mean, we were down. And even when we were down, we really never thought we were out of the game. And we we come back, we fight back. And like you said, it was a roller coaster of emotions going back and forth. And um, I mean, I haven't watched that game in a while. And I don't remember exactly how it, um, the end of the game came out. But when you go and look probably at the – Going to the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure at that point in the game we led in almost every uh, category. Yeah, I mean, you guys were were down 14 to nothing early, but by the end of the first quarter, you know, you started to find a rhythm offensively. That was another breakout game for you personally. Seven catches, 96 yards, a couple of touchdowns. I did want to ask you, just take us through that last play. Kind of what what was the play call in the huddle? What was Cooper telling you guys and? I know you were out there with Corey Willis trying to block as he ran right behind you towards the left corner of the end zone. Take us through that last play and what you remember about it. I appreciate you helping me there. I'm pretty sure I was behind Corey because I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was trying. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, going back, I was just we were. I mean, we we fumbled, ended up fumbling the ball at a, at a crucial time in that game and gave them a chance. I think you know fumbles happen and uh, things happen and we fought through that. But I mean, I think without maybe that happening, it, it doesn't come down to that uh, that hell mary that it did. But you know, it came down to the hell mary, and we came into that you knowing we had one last play, and still we just believed for some reason. I mean, even if it's a long shot like that, we still believe that something could happen. And Jesse Kroll, being uh, um, obviously a great receiver and uh, had great ball skills, and him and Coop always just had a great chemistry. Obviously, they played together for a long time, and uh, I mean, he throws that up, and I mean, I'm back there watching because I'm kind of running through the middle of the field. So I'm like, oh, I'm wide open over here, and uh, I see Jesse go up and catch it, and he pitches it to Corey, and I was just, I think I was just running as fast as I could that way I could be part of the celebration as quick as possible. So, um, I mean, it was just an unreal feeling after that. He goes in and gets in the end zone. Honestly, I think everybody kind of blacks out a little bit. Um, just to be in that atmosphere, and I'm pretty sure they were ranked like 17th in the country at that point, or something like that. And um, you know, to to believe a year ago that you could come back, that you could beat that team, and then to go through an emotional roller coaster of a game that we did, and end up coming out on top, no matter what uh, skeptics say, uh, I mean, that's a hell of a feeling, and it definitely goes down as uh, one of the greatest memories I've had in my football career. Coach, just to reiterate there, he's talking about winning a ranked game. That was the first time CMU had won against a ranked opponent since Herb Duramity's team went into East Lansing and beat Michigan State in 1991. So it had been a long time. Yeah, I, I you know, you look at the and, – and, of course, that's one of those games that's on our walls everywhere, right, and and rightfully so. Um, I think when one of the things you hit on uh, as a team and as a tight-knit group, really what it is to believe. You know, Tyler, you, you 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 hit on that a couple times, and how important that is going into whatever contest it is. And uh, you know, talk a little bit about just you know that team, and 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 was it in the off season? Did you talk about it, or was it one of those things you just kind of knew that you were going to be in that game? Um, yeah, I think we just, I think I had a, a combination of all of those things. Um, Playing how we did the year before, obviously being a sophomore and um, not being a huge focal point of the team, you don't really have a you don't have a true feeling of how that game went for someone that played sixty snaps or something. But uh, just the way we were as a team in the off season, the camaraderie that we had, and obviously that season didn't go the way that um, we expected it to go. I mean, we had some stuff, and uh, I'm not going to get on everything, but the locker room was just some different things uh, between the team that kind of hurt us, but. 
um, that's what made us so much better our senior year because sure, uh, sure. as that senior group, I mean, um, Joey Osman, Amari Coleman, uh, Devin Spaulding, Corey Willis, I mean, they're just a bunch of great guys, great athletes um, that really made that team special. And I think that as a, as a team going to that senior year, we really prided ourselves on uh, having senior leadership. Um, yeah. There was reasons for that that we thought we had to do that. Um, but that was kind of what we thought we had to do to have a successful season. And, um, I mean, we used to host player meetings at five in the morning that, that we didn't even want to be at, but we did it just because we knew we needed some structure at certain times. And, uh, I think a lot of that little stuff paid off, especially with me missing the first half of the season and then Corey Willis missing the first four out of six games. And we did come back at a club and, um, we thought some, fought some, fought through some adversity that year and, um, just the brotherhood we had in that group senior year, um, it kind of rolled over. And uh, we think that's uh, really the main reason for our success, beating them in uh, our junior year and then going and having a pretty good season that senior year. Right. I, you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, the, the, the people necessarily understand that haven't been in it, the importance of that locker room and the importance of the right guys being the leaders and, and really pushing it forward. Um, you know, it just speaks volumes for that group of guys and what you were able to do. I'm kind of curious a little bit, um, you know, obviously now that you're in the National Football League, um, you know, we talked about really some of the, the time differences and time demands, you know, on the players. Um, you know, I, I was I was always kind of amazed at, at the year I spent coaching in the NFL, just, you know, the things we put our college guys through and, and when it when you go to the national football, it, it's your job, right? Um, but some of the off-season demands, other than pushing yourself, um, you know, tell me some of the differences for you being in the National Football League in comparison to playing in college. Um, I can go on for days about a lot of this stuff. Just yeah. because like, <laughs> yeah. they, ask you, they ask you a rookie year, you know, what's the hardest part about it? And I'm like, I mean, the hardest part is – I mean, you're trying to find a place to live and do all these different grown-up things, handle taxes and all these things you have no idea how to do your whole life. And all of a sudden, you have your dream job that um, requires a ton out of you. And then you're also trying to figure out how to be a grown-up at the same time. And I think that was um, that was a really big thing um, with just the transition of it. And uh, I think the perfect example of just the difference um, after you're kind of in the league would be, I mean, right now in the offseason, a lot of times I go home and I stay in my mom's basement. Save me money. <laughs> uh, I got all my workout stuff here and I get to see my family while I can before I mean everybody kind of gets too old I have a little brother and a little sister and um, I always tell my mom when trying to do stuff sometimes if I'm busy I'm like I know it's unique that you know me having to go work out or me going to physical therapy or going to the field and running routes or whatever I have to do that day um, that's my job and uh, that's kind of hard for some people to understand sometimes it's just like working a nine to five or whatever your hours are, you just have to do it yourself. I mean, you create your own schedule. You create how hard you work. Um, those are all things that just start um, becoming your job to do instead of, you know, having a, a strength coach or someone make you do stuff throughout the whole entire year. And uh, I think that can be the reason for a lot of people's success in the NFL along with the um, reason for a lot of people's downfalls in the NFL. So um, I think that's unique on top of just growing up. Just, I think I've grown up more in these past – two and a half years since I got drafted than any point in my life so far. You know, that self-discipline piece, uh, that, that really, 
a prolonged career in that league um, or cuts them short. You know, it's quite simple uh, as far as that piece moves forward because, you know, it is truly a business. And, um, and I'm like, they're, they're going to put the best guy out there that they, they deem, uh, you know, whoever that is. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's pretty interesting. So kind of through all of this, obviously, um, have, have you had much contact uh, with the organization? Uh, what are you guys doing OTA wise? I, I kind of get, you know, the impression you're doing some of that stuff on zoom or whatever it is. And, and what, tell me kind of what, what that looks like as far as uh, you moving forward with the Vikings and in the NFL season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, about, so we're on our third week right now. We started, uh, that's how OTAs would be. We're in phase one. So basically just working out and meeting stuff. So, um, we got meetings from just our, we're in a position groups from about 11 to one 30 Eastern time or 11 to twelve thirty Eastern time. And then we got special teams from twelve thirty to one. And, um, our workouts are on our own at this point. I know some teams are doing things differently. Some have meetings, some don't, some are having zoom workouts, some aren't. So uh, right now we just have position meetings, special teams, and our workouts are on our own. And, um, we finished the week, uh, tomorrow and then they'll kind of let us know what they got going on from there. But from what I've heard is we'll be starting in July mm-hmm. or hope so at least. Yeah. And, uh, and that's about as far as we've got so far. Sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think the use of the social media and, and, or, you know, and all the things that we have, you know, with our computers and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, us being able to, you know, have our own position meetings uh, throughout what would have been the end of spring practice for us and, and getting the guys together. Have, have you noticed uh, as you get on those calls, uh, kind of that camaraderie that, that you kind of end up missing your teammates a little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's definitely something you feel and miss. And I also think it kind of helps uh, build it in a weird way. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you're sitting there over a, over a computer and, I mean, could be awkward. It could. I mean, especially in the NFL, it's kind of a different um, brotherhood than in college. A lot of college, you've been there, those guys, for multiple years, and you end up having a class with them and going out with them and doing all these things. And in the NFL, it's a little different in the fact that, you know, everybody's at a different stage of their life. So I think uh, having to sit down and just be able to see your teammates, talk to them, see what's going on wherever they're at, and, um, you know, kind of be a part of each other's lives for an hour and a half of the day can also help build on camaraderie and, I mean, I feel like whichever college and NFL, kind of whichever teams handle this uh, awkward, weird period, however you want to put it, um, the best is kind of going to help that team be the most successful this coming year. So um, that's right. I think that's, and, and I think for teams. that's something Adam, you and I have talked about. You know, it's it. The, there's circumstances that everybody's under the same, you know, <laughs> restrictions, and it's going to be really a teller when we do get back. Uh, to see which which group of guys handled it the best, I, I think that no doubt about it. But uh, you know, as as you're as you're heading into you know moving forward, uh, you know, kind of with your career and and this upcoming season, um, you know, have you have you guys as an organization have you set a particular kind of goals as as far as uh, each phase uh you know of the program that you're in right now or what what are what are they kind of telling you that way as far as how to handle uh where where you're at uh, at this particular time 
Yeah, so I mean, physically right now, they're really emphasizing that. I mean, we got to be ready whenever it is, whether we get called and go back tomorrow or it's in two months from now. They're just really emphasizing that physically we have to be ready to go. And um, I mean, which we would expect. And same with mentally. Uh, we're really using this time period to touch up on all the old stuff, get a uh, watch and, and critique as much of the film from last year as possible, along with um, installing and implementing little changes we have throughout our playbook. So, I mean, the, the main two things right now are just staying ready physically because obviously you don't know where to come back and, and mentally making sure we correct what we need to correct and um, make sure we're, we're ready to go and mentally sharp when we get back there. Yeah, I've, I've got to ask you one thing. Uh, you know, obviously our, our winters in Mount, Mount Pleasant uh, sometimes get a little harsh. Uh, tell me what that, tell me what some of those winters are like and how grateful you are to have that dome. Yeah, I couldn't imagine uh, playing, was it three years ago when they were playing at Minnesota or four years going there at Minnesota. Um, I've been lucky enough my first two years that we played Green Bay the first two in the, the second game of the season, my both my first two years. So we were in Lambeau in September. So I mean, oh, perfect. <laughs> I was pretty, uh, I was pretty happy about that when I looked at the schedule. Um, this year we'll get them a little colder, but I've been lucky so far to not have too many cold games. <laughs> um, I know we go to Lambeau and, and Soldier Field in November this year, but you can be optimistic and hopefully get 35, 40 degrees in November. So that's what I'm hoping for. You know, the history the history of your franchise in, in as a kid growing up watching, you know, Bud Grant and the Purple People Eaters and they would be playing in, you know, the old bet, which I think is where the Mall of America is located now, uh, believe it or not, somewhere right over there. But you'd watch those games and you know, the Viking guys would be there with no sleeves on, you know, <laughs> and they would be playing uh man oh man i can remember sitting watching those and going you know what i bet you you're pretty happy you got a dome <laughs> yeah i just uh i actually just bought a house out of minnesota but before that i lived in uh literally right i was walking distance from the mall of america and uh back in college i used to think i was tough in michigan and i'd wear no shirt for warm ups or no sleeves <laughs> or whatever it be but um, i don't know if it's me just getting older and i can't handle the cold like that anymore but i'm not going out there in no shirt on in minnesota <laughs> I was going to say, Coach Mack, Tyler was the king of it would be 30 degrees out and the Chippewas are out warming up and we see this this big guy with all the tattoos out there, no shirt on, catching balls and getting ready for the game like it was nothing. Well, I think I think a little bit of that, you know, not only that, but I think, you know, that actually helps when you're psyching out the other team. Yeah, that's just a little, <laughs> little mental warfare. Yeah. That, Talking a little crap. That was a little payback for when you were the smaller uh, 260 defensive lineman. You wanted to showcase your, your muscles a little bit more at that point. Oh, yeah. The, when I was playing DN, I was, uh, I was scrawny at that point. So I got to ask you one more question. The other great thing, Coach Mack, about uh, when, when T. Conk was on the chip wise is he was known for having some of the best hair at CMU. It, it, now, I have to ask you, Tyler, with, with the quarantine and it being a little bit trickier to get haircuts – is that thing just just growing and growing right now, or what's what's the mane look like up top? Um, it's not really the the, the hair that's uh, the struggle right now. It's more the beard. Yeah, there you the go. Beard's real pain in the butt right now, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to kind of get sick of the hair. It might get cut off this year for uh, for, a good, for a good cause. So we'll see how I'm feeling when that comes around. But uh, there's a chance that the the hair gets cut off and we can get a little donation started up. So we'll see.
Yeah, well, yep. I, I, I'll give you a little heads up. So uh, when, when I was coaching at Fresno State, uh, Manoa Pawono uh, was one of our guys there, and, and he uh, he had a long old head head of hair, and and he shows up, and he's got his he's got his uh, whole whole head shaved, and you know I was like, hey, who the heck are you, right? He says, he says, coach, it was great. I got eight hundred bucks for this at a wig shop. <laughs> it paid for the summer. <laughs> Can't beat that, especially as a college student. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was got to make sure my girlfriend doesn't leave me after I cut it off. <laughs> there you go. You know, I, I, you know, this is, this is awesome being able to have you guys on and, and, uh, and we're looking at next week, uh, you know, trying to do this again. And, you know, I, I was wondering if, you know, can we, we get Cooper Rush on this thing next week, Adam? Is that, oh, is that possible? That's the plan. We'll Rush he, okay. He has given so, us the, uh, uh, the okay. He's coming on. So can we uh, can you give us anything going into that for next week that that maybe we should know? Oh, about Coop? Yeah, you're, about Coop. You're, you're, you're asking for dirt on, on two <laughs> no dirt, that no are, dirt, that are no dirt. Hard to find dirt on. Because <laughs> <laughs> right, like I know I said, Gary was a nice guy, but I mean, Coop was. Uh, I mean, first of all, I mean he was just a hell of a leader. Coop was a great leader. Um, we used to have good times in the huddle, especially Ben McCord. It'd be clutch time, and he would just look Coop in the eyes, and he'd be like, wow, Coop, you got some really pretty eyes. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be, you know, third down, fourth quarter, and, I mean, Coop was always so even keel. He would just try to do anything to try to get him to maybe crack a smile or um, show a little something. But uh, Coop's a great dude, and uh, if you can't get him on there, let me know. I'll, I'll shoot him a, a text or a call and make sure he uh, stops big time of people and gets down here. <laughs> I really appreciate it. You know, you you brought something up that you know the the, the fan that hasn't you know played the game. Uh, some of the stuff that goes on in the huddles <laughs> when when you know now a lot of people aren't even huddling, right? But I'm yeah. telling you that. That huddle, some of the banter that goes on between guys and some of the things that are said and the, the jokes that are at, at, at tense moments, you know, it's just those are great memories. Here they are. Yeah. Well, good, man. Well, I, Tyler, I really appreciate you doing this, and it, and it means so much to us as, as Chippewas and to our fans. And, you know, we, I, I know this. Uh, all those chips out there, they, they lock into every one of those Viking games, um, you know, remembering your times. And I just want to say thanks so much to you for continuing to come back and, and being part of the family, man. Oh, anytime. I mean, I love coming back to Central. I was sad this year. I couldn't get back because our bye week was so late. But uh, I, mean, I love trying to make it back up there. I'm just happy you guys have me on here. So anytime, just let me know. And I'll clear the 20 minutes out. Uh, well, thanks so much, and best of luck, and, and keep doing what you do, man. You make us all proud. Uh, you guys, too. Stay safe, and hope you guys' families are all healthy. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. Well, how about that, Coach Mack? That was pretty fun. A guy that had so much success, his career started with basketball, and he mentioned it. High school wasn't great at football, but a couple of his buddies coaxed him into playing, and then he decided to transfer to CMU, and Man, I know you weren't here when he was here, but he was a ton of fun to watch and great to see him having success at the next level with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, I, and I hate to say it, but, um, you know, I think 
being able to have these guys on like this, uh, I mean, it's a lot better than listening to you and I, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and, and some of the stories and, and the things that, that, you know, we can kind of pull behind the curtain a little bit and uh, let people in. I just think it's fantastic. And I know I kind of messed up and kind of threw next week's uh, guest already out there. I know you're probably going to get on me about that tease, huh? You know, the three people that listen to this podcast, Coach Mack, now they don't have to wait. Who Now who knows if they're going to come back? We've already given away what next week's episode is. Well, it gave us a chance for some material. I was able to ask <laughs> a little bit about Coop and, and uh, you know, him being such a great leader and, and – uh, you know, I really looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, as we're going through these times, I, 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 I just got to tell you, I, I look forward to this hour. We get to spend and, and, you know, just talking about things and reflecting a little bit and kind of taking our minds off of uh, all the stuff that's going on. Hey, I'm just glad you haven't gotten sick of me yet. I mean, this is week four now that you've agreed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> week four. Oh boy. Okay. I got you. Well, Let's 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 try to make it to five. <laughs> there now the truth starts to come out. <laughs> hey, well, Coach Mack, we are uh, we are really we got real lucky this week with with Tyler Conklin. He's great, and I tell you what, Cooper Rush, man, he is the epitome of just a great guy. And uh, obviously, a lot of CMU fans loved when he spent his time at Central Michigan, and now he's in the NFL. Looking forward. To talk with you next week and having Cooper Rush on here to get into some of his memories uh, with the Maroon and Gold as well. Well, as always, I just uh, thank you for doing this. This is uh, this is this is fun and and uh, you know, like I said, it gives us a chance to talk about sports a little bit and, and most importantly, talk about the great things we got going on at Central Michigan and and our leadership uh, with our university and and you know, can't wait. Uh, can't wait till next week to talk to Coop and, and, and find out a little bit more about what it was to be a chip. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Coach, and uh, everybody continue to stay safe, and hopefully good news continues to come out uh, in the coming weeks, and hopefully we get some college football in the fall. But until then, Coach, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for coming on. All right. Had a blast. You be good, Adam, and stay safe. And everybody out there, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Let's go.